Uh, Hopefully you're already there, but if not, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. How many of you know C.S. Lewis? How many of you ever read some C.S. Lewis? All right, a lot of people. That's good. C.S. Lewis is one of the most well-known and widely read Christian authors of all time. Uh, Theologians actually consider his book, Mere Christianity, one of the most influential Christian books ever written. Uh, In this book, C.S. Lewis says this. He says, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I cannot accept his claim that he is God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not just be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg or else he would possibly be the devil of hell. You must make a choice. Either this man, Jesus, was and is the Son of God or else he is a madman or something worse. Those are the words of C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity. I want to ask you this question today as we read Mark chapter 3, verses 20 through 30. Who is this Jesus to you? Who is this Jesus that the Bible talks about? Who is this Jesus that we read about? Who is this Jesus that speaks to us in the Bible? Who is this Jesus to you? I'm not asking who this Jesus is to your mama or your daddy or your Sunday school teacher or your pastor. I'm not even asking you who this Jesus is to Mark. We're going to find out who this Jesus is to Mark. I'm asking you, who is this Jesus to you personally? What decision have you made about Jesus? The gospel writer Mark says this in Mark chapter 1 verse 1, this is the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Listen, that's what Mark says. Mark's about to tell you, through his gospel, he's about to tell you who Jesus is, and he says it in verse 1. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. And so every verse, from Mark chapter 1, verse 1, every verse from that point forward, Mark is telling you Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Messiah. His gospel is all about Jesus. Every word, every story, everything that Mark wrote down for us to read testifies that Jesus is the Son of God. But Mark also includes what others hear and what others think and what others say. And that's what we're going to see in this passage today. We're going to see what others think about Jesus. We're going to see what others say about this Jesus. Beginning in Mark 3 verse 20, the Bible says, Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. Verse 21, When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. Now right off the bat, we find a group of people that say something about this Jesus. That they let us know what they think about this Jesus. The Bible tells us right here, to his own family, Jesus was deranged. That's what they say. His own family, Jesus 
was deranged. That word deranged, it means mentally unsound. It means to be unstable mentally. It means to be disturbed. Many theologians, they debate about Jesus' family. At this time, we do know that Joseph is deceased, which would leave his mother Mary. It would also possibly leave uh, his half-brothers, James and Jude. Some theologians believe his family could also include his cousins, even his close personal friends. As a matter of fact, the King James Version says his friends. The New King James Version says his own people. And so you can look at all of these versions and how they describe this group that came to Jesus. But many theologians will agree that when you look at the Greek language, in the strictest terms, what the gospel writer is saying is that Jesus' family came. And what did his family come to do? The Bible says they came to take charge of him. Some versions say to lay hold of him. Again, in the original Greek language, do you know what that means? That means they came to arrest him. Right? They came to arrest him. Why? Their words were very simple. He is out of his mind. Now, if someone came in here and said, Jeff is out of his mind, what's a word you would use to describe that? Somebody just said it. Crazy. Yeah, somebody said it. They just don't want to say it out loud. Crazy, right? He's crazy. He's out of his mind. He's deranged. He's unstable. Now listen, we we don't come here today to doubt or, or cast doubt on his family. Listen, I believe his family truly cared for him or else they wouldn't have come there. I believe they cared for him. I believe his family were deeply concerned about him. They heard about the crowds. What had the crowds been doing all along? They were pressing him. You remember what Jesus, the word he used last week? When he used the word crowd, what is the original Greek word? What does it mean? It means to crush. And so the crowds, they were crushing him. They were pressing him at every place. His family heard about that. And now they hear that he and his disciples are unable to eat because of the crowds. Maybe, just maybe, they thought they were doing Jesus a favor. We'll get him out of this bad situation. Maybe, just maybe, they thought, you know what? He's given himself a bad name. Maybe he's given us a bad name. All we really know is what they said about him and what they came to do. This is what they said. He is out of his mind. We're here to take charge of him. So in this circumstance, in this passage of Scripture, we know what his family says about him. Jesus is deranged. He's crazy. He's out of his mind. But I want to ask you again, who is this Jesus to you? Who is this Jesus to you? Let's look at another group. It's a group you're familiar with because it's a group that Mark has shared about already in chapter 3 and also in chapter 2. Verse 22 says, And the teachers of the law, they were the Pharisees, the scribes, the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, He is possessed by Beelzebul, by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. And so now the family says he is deranged, but what are the teachers of the law saying? Well, to the teachers of the the law, Jesus was demonized. That's what they're saying. He's demonized. What does that mean? Well, demonized means to be possessed. It means to be influenced. It means to be led by a demon. It means to be empowered by a demon. 
Notice that it says the teachers of the law came down from Jerusalem. Why did they come down from Jerusalem? Well, it's no doubt they heard about this Jesus. They heard about the message of this Jesus. They heard about the teachings. They heard about the miraculous works of Jesus Christ. And more than anything, what they heard and what they believed was that Jesus was disrupting the religious system that was in place, the religious system that they devoted themselves to. Now, I'm not going to try to backtrack too much, but you remember Jesus has already called them out on this. He, he said, you're devoted to a religion. You're, re, you're devoted to law, but the law can't save you. Only the Savior, only the Son of God, only the Messiah can save. And so Jesus has already called them out on this devotion, right? Well, they're, they're so devoted to this religious system that is in place, and now this Jesus is turning it, right? In their eyes, Jesus is turning this thing upside down, but what he's really doing is he's turning it upside right. That's what he's doing. But either way, it's shaking them to their core. They thought this religious system was firmly in place, and now they see that it is not. I'm going to tell you something. These teachers of the law... They didn't come to meet with Jesus. They didn't come to to have a discussion with Jesus. You know what they did? They came with judgment in hand. They came with judgment in hand. They immediately labelized him as demonized, demon-possessed. The King James Version uses the word Beelzebub, while other versions use the word Beelzebul. According to theologians, both of these words are used to mean Satan. That's what they mean. They mean Satan. They mean to be satanic. In the original Hebrew language, that word Beelzebul, it actually means the Lord of the flies. That's what it means. Lord of the flies. You see, in the Philistine culture in which these people lived, the Lord of the flies was the Lord over that which was rotten and repulsive. So to be the Lord of the flies means you were Lord over things that were rotted things that were repulsive, things that were evil. Now, I don't have time to go into great detail on this name, but either way, these experts, right? These experts of religion, these teachers of the law who supposedly, right, know it all, what they're doing is they're accusing Jesus of being possessed by Satan, possessed by the prince of demons. And I'm going to tell you what they're doing is they're treading on dangerous ground. That's what they're doing. So so we know in these circumstances that Mark has given us in Mark chapter 3 verse 22, we know who the teachers of the law say Jesus is. He's demonized. His family has come to take charge of him and their very words that they spoke out loud in public is that Jesus is crazy. He's out of his mind. Jesus is deranged. So again, Mark chapter 3, we hear two comments about who this Jesus was. He's a deranged man. He's a demonized man. But remember what I asked you at the beginning, because here's the thing. I didn't come here today just to dwell on what the family said or just to dwell on what the Pharisees said. Here's what I did. I came and I asked you a question. Who is this Jesus to you? Because right here, right now, thank you. Yes, he is. He's the Savior. Who is this Jesus to you? No one else can say it. Say it out loud again. Son of God, who is this Jesus to you? Because in this setting right here, right now, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. 
Listen to what Jesus said. You know, Jesus was there, and he knew that his family was there, and he knew what they said. Jesus was there, and he, he heard these Pharisees. He heard these teachers of the law. He heard what they said. How does Jesus respond? It's very interesting. Look at verse 23. So Jesus called them over to him. And he began to speak to them in parables. Jesus does that, doesn't he? When you look at the Gospels, he speaks in parables. So Jesus began to speak in parables to them. He said, how can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Truly, I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins... Did you hear that? People can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter. But whoever blasphemes, and we're going to talk about that word in just a moment, whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. Why did he say that? Look at verse 30. He said this because they were saying he has an impure spirit. Now again, this is a a much debated passage of Scripture and I'm sure there are all kinds of interpretations. And so what I want to do is I just want to focus on the words and I want to try to be as simple as possible so that we can understand. First of all, what we see in this passage is that Jesus teaches the teachers the truth. He teaches the teachers the truth. Listen, these were experts of the law. They studied it frontwards and backwards and sideways. They could quote it, right? They could quote it all day long. And so many times, Jesus, he used these parables to teach and lead. But what was he teaching? He was teaching truth. He was leading everyone that he spoke to, to the truth. And it's no different here with the Pharisees. Now, whether they embrace the truth that Jesus teaches to them, that's on them. I'm going to tell you something. Every word of this Bible is truth. And I don't need you to say amen or not. That's what I believe. And nothing you can say will change my mind or my heart. I have made the decision. Every word of the Bible is truth because it is the Word of God. Holy Spirit-inspired men to write the words. It wasn't the words of men. It was the word of God given to men. And I believe that. I don't know what you believe. I believe what Mark said in Mark chapter 1 verse 1. That this is Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. I have made that decision in my heart and my mind. And nothing you or anyone else can do will budge me from that truth. I have embraced it. I'm not up, it's not up for debate in my life. And I'm going to tell you something, if you're a child of God, it shouldn't be up to debate to you either. You should know it, and you should walk in it. You should live in that truth. When Jesus speaks, He is speaking truth, because what does the Bible say? The Word became what? Flesh 
And the word had a name. His name was Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. The Pharisees were so stuck on their religious system that they could not have a relationship with Jesus. Mm. So Jesus, he's teaching truth. And he teaches in this parable. And I love this because he makes it very clear. If Satan opposes himself, then he is finished. Well, what does the Bible teach us from the very beginning? In Genesis chapter 3, who is the enemy of God? Satan. The devil. He is the enemy of God. I've said this all along. Uh, you might think that you have enemies in this world. You may have people that don't agree with you or don't like you, but I'm going to tell you something. You have one enemy in this world, and his name is Satan. It's the devil. Jesus has told us who the devil is. He's the father of lies. So he's a liar. Jesus has told us the devil's goals. He's told us what Satan wants to do. He came to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Don't forget that. That's who Satan is. Satan is the enemy of God, which means he is working against everything that God has done, is doing, and will do. And so these, these teachers of the law, right? Even his family, this guy's crazy. He's crazy. Teachers of the law, right? He's possessed. He's got Beelzebul in him. He's a demon. Jesus said if Satan opposes himself, then he's finished. So what sense does that make? Right? What, what, what sense does it make? Why would Satan oppose himself and bring about his own end when he's the enemy of God? Satan is trying to build, right? He's trying to build his own kingdom. He's trying to drag as many and as much to hell with him as he can. That's what his goal is. So why would he end himself? Why would he cast out demons? Does, doesn't it make sense? And I guess I need to be careful with that word. But doesn't it make sense that he would want more people to be possessed? Rather than less? I mean, it's so clear here. Jesus, he goes a step further. And he says, you know what? Satan may be strong. But Jesus is stronger. Don't you love that? Jesus says, this strong man's got a house. And the only way you can break into this house is if someone stronger ties him up, binds him. And then you can go through the house and plunder and take what you want. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is the only one who can plunder Satan's kingdom. And Satan's got a kingdom. Don't miss this. He's got a kingdom. He's taking people. He's already, took, he, he's already gotten some. Many, many people have rejected Jesus Christ. And when you reject Jesus Christ, you reject God. And if you don't accept Jesus Christ in your heart, then you will pay the penalty for your sin. You will face the wrath of God. Satan may be strong, but Jesus is stronger. I'm going to tell you something. The one who can bind Satan, the one who can save lost souls, the one who can heal, the one who can restore, his name is Jesus and he's right there. He's the same one that his family says is crazy. He's the same one that the, the Pharisees say, is demonized. I'm going to tell you something. This was the power of God. This was the authority of God that had been granted to the Son of God, Jesus Christ. That's who this Jesus was. So he uses this word blaspheme. And 
This is where it gets interesting. People talk about this all the time. What, what does this word blaspheme mean? Well, what does it mean to blaspheme? Well, I want to I give you kind of two angles here. First of all, according to the Holman Bible Dictionary, the word blaspheme, it means to speak harm against. It is an attitude of disrespect against the character of God, against the nature of God. I love what Marty Solomon says on the Bema podcast. He says this. He says, to blaspheme is to speak ill of. It is to tear down what God has built. It is to slander the very name of God. He goes on to say this. It's one thing to question a teacher. It's even one thing to accuse a teacher. However, it's another thing to stand in the way of the Holy Spirit to tear down what the Holy Spirit is doing and call evil what is actually good. And I'm going to tell you, this is, this is dangerous ground that the Pharisees are walking on. The teachers of the law, Jesus is telling them it's not okay. It's not okay to be where you are. It's not okay to say what you're saying. I'm going to tell you what this was. This was the hardening of hearts. That's what it was. It was the hardening of hearts, these experts of the law. Think about this for a moment. Those who were religiously trained, what they're doing, right? They think they're doing God a favor when actually what they're doing is they're going against the very word and the very work of God. They're standing against what God is saying and what God is doing. Building His kingdom This verse, uh, Mark chapter 3, verse 29, it's sometimes referred to as the unpardonable sin. Have you ever heard that before? Have you ever been asked that before? Hey, what is the unpardonable sin? People ask that all the time. I love this because Dr. David Jeremiah says, maybe instead of unpardonable sin, you might want to call it the unrepentable sin. Listen to what Dr. David Jeremiah says. Dr. David Jeremiah says, only those whose hearts are so hardened that they label light as darkness and call good evil can commit this blaspheme against the Holy Spirit because they have no desire to repent. Here we go. They have no desire to repent. People have asked me all the time, Brother Jeff, what if I've committed? What if I've committed the unpardonable sin? Brother Jeff, what, what if... What if I'm that one in Mark 3.29? Well, I love what Dr. David Jeremiah goes on to say. Listen to this. He says, those who worry that they have committed such a sin, blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, could not have because they wouldn't say it. So I want to stop for just a moment. If, If you're in this room, if you're listening to my voice, and you're worried about the unpardonable sin, you haven't committed it. If the Holy Spirit has stirred your heart and your mind and you're thinking about it, you haven't committed it. Because once you commit it, your heart is so hardened that you don't care anymore. You're past it. And Jesus is talking to these Pharisees and He's saying you're on dangerous ground. Jesus says in this passage, people can be forgiven all their sins. Do you hear that? I want to say that again. Because that's not my words. What does Jesus say? He says people can be forgiven all their sins. 
Now, I don't want you to raise your hand. I, don't, I, don't, I want this just to be you and God. Have you ever done something so bad before you, you thought in your mind, God will never forgive me? You ever been there? Have you, ever, have you ever done so much in your life, right? You've just sinned, sinned, sinned. You've, you've lived this lifestyle of sin. And, and in your mind, you're thinking, there's no way God can forgive me. There's no way anybody can forgive me. I'm going to just tell you something. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Do you hear me? I didn't hear anybody say amen. We got a problem, Houston. Anytime you think God can never forgive me, that is a lie from the pit of hell. That's right. Not Jeff's words, Jesus. People can be forgiven all their sin and every slander they utter. I've had people ask me before, Brother Jeff, is is blaspheme against the Holy Spirit when I curse God, when I curse His name? No. That's not what that is. Blaspheme against the Holy Spirit is to call what is light darkness, and it is to call what is good evil. It is to take sides with the devil and Satan. It is to go against what the Holy Spirit of God is doing and the work and the life and the message of Jesus Christ. Is it a sin to curse the name of God? Yeah, it is. But guess what? That sin can be forgiven. And when the Holy Spirit stirs your heart, right? He's stirring your heart not to convict you so that you'll stay guilty. He's convicting your heart so you'll get up and you'll run to the cross and you'll leave that sin at the foot of the cross and you'll walk away forgiven and set free from that penalty and that bondage of sin. There are too many people today who won't go where Jesus wants them to go, who won't say what Jesus wants them to say, who won't do what Jesus wants them to do because they're still bound by the guilt of their sin. I'm going to tell you something. That's Satan. That is Satan. That is Satan. Jesus does not want you bound in your sin and bound in your guilt. He came to set you free. Free, yes, from the pit of hell, but free to live. And to live life, how? Abundantly, fully, knowing who God is and knowing who you are in Christ. That's what Jesus came to do. The teachers of the law, if they weren't already falling over the edge, they are dangerously, dangerously close to it. They were claiming that the power that Jesus had and the authority that Jesus had was from the devil and not the Spirit of God. And they must have forgotten because back in the Old Testament and back in the ancient Jewish culture, do you know what the teachers of the law said? They, they, they said this, the only one who can cast out a demon is who? Anybody know? God. What? So you're seeing what Jesus is doing and now you're backpedaling. Now you're backpedaling and saying, well, not only can God cast out a demon, but a demon can cast out a demon. You make no sense. Like, like who really is crazy here, right? Who, who is really the one that's insane right now? <laughs> you make no sense with your argument. And so here's, here's, the, here's the key. This was a rejection of God's salvation. That's what this was. This is a rejection of God's salvation. It was being revealed to them clearly 
through the Spirit and clearly through the Word become flesh. And I'm going to tell you, the final rejection of what the Holy Spirit was doing and revealing to them was to be guilty of an eternal sin. And Jesus, I I just believe Jesus with passion because that's who He was. He was passionate. He was compassionate. I believe Jesus was trying to tell these Pharisees, these teachers of the law, His own family and anybody that could hear Him, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. I believe Jesus was was teaching them the truth and wanted them to embrace the truth. But here is the truth. They have to decide. And I'm going to tell you something. The reason I asked you a question today, who is this Jesus to you? It's because you have to decide today. And I'm going to tell you, when you stand before God, you can't say, Oh, well, the Pharisees said, oh, well, Jesus' own family said, no, 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 it's on you. Just like it's on me. Well, mama and daddy, nope, that ain't going to work. Well, Sunday school, nope, ain't going to work. Well, preach, nope, ain't going to work. When you stand before God, it's you and God. And the decision you have chosen to make in your heart is all that matters. That's all that matters. So I want to tell you the truth of the gospel today. I want to tell you the truth of the gospel that I have embraced today. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Savior. And you know what? He's not just the Son of God. He's not just the Savior. He's my Savior. He's mine. If no one else wants to go with me, oh well. I'll walk with my Lord and my Savior. That's the decision I've made in my heart. That's the decision that I confess with my mouth. And that's the decision that I try to surrender my life to every day and walk in. Am I perfect? Nope. Do I stumble and fall along the way? Yep. But my God is with me. And my God is for me. And my Jesus has told me, I forgive you of all your sins and every slander. That's the work. That's the life. That's the message of Jesus. You know, Mark has told us the message of Jesus. What what was the message that Jesus was preaching? Well, if you go back and look at Mark chapter 1 and even in Mark chapter 2, I'll tell you, it's real simple. Jesus said, repent. Right? Isn't that what he said? He said, repent. That's the first thing he said. And then right after that, he said, believe the good news. So his message was, repent. Repent of what? Sin. Sinfulness. Sin nature. Repent of sin. That means to turn from it. He says, believe the good news. What's the good news? That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Life. Everlasting life. That's the message of Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you one more time. Who is this Jesus to you? Who is this Jesus to you? Do you say with your heart? Do you confess with your mouth, Jesus, you are the Son of God? Jesus, you are the Messiah? Jesus, you are my Savior? 
I hope you do. But I'm going to tell you something. If you're in this room today, and you've been like this crowd, right? This crowd following Jesus, and you've been focused on what Jesus was doing more than what Jesus was saying, Maybe you've been just curious about this Jesus and, and maybe Satan's been toying with your mind and toying with your heart because that's what he does. He's crafty. He's the king of crafts, right? He uses all kind of tricks and trades to, 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 to just pick at your brain and pick at your heart. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, you know what, sounds good and all, but I'm going to tell you, you need to leave the butts behind. You need to leave the butts alone. What you need to do is you need to repent of your sin. The Holy Spirit of God, if you're here today, I believe the Holy Spirit of God brought you here, led you here. I believe the Holy Spirit of God is still stirring and still speaking to you. So if you're here today and and, and you're listening to what God is saying through his word, I'm going to tell you something, it's not too late for you. Don't listen to Satan. What is Satan? Somebody tell me again. He's a what? A liar. He's the father of what? Lies. Say it again. He's the father of what? Lies. Satan is a what? A liar. You need to keep telling yourself that every day. When you wake up tomorrow morning, you ought to say, Satan, you're a liar. Jesus is my Savior. And that's what I'm going to walk in today. So when you bring your lies, I got my lie swat. Yeah, God gave me that. I can't take credit for it. This morning, Marty was making those blueberry muffins again. I was tempted to eat. Four instead of three. So I did. I turned around. She, she, had, she had some Jesus music playing. And uh, I turned around. I was reading my Bible. had my Bible open, you know. And I was, I was just listening to that music. And I was reading this passage and just kind of preparing my heart and my mind for it. And I turned around. And there was a fly on the, on the refrigerator. Well, in my house, I know where at least one fly swat is. It's on top of the refrigerator. And so I reached up there and got that fly swat, and I won. I I got that fly. And in that moment, what I thought was, Lord of the what? Flies. Belzebul. Belzebub. I really don't care what name you call him. In that moment, when I grabbed that fly swat and I killed that fly, I thought, That's what I got to do every morning. I got to wake up every morning. And I got to use my life swat. I got to use my life swat. Because I don't know about you, but I wake up in the morning, and before my feet hit the ground, Satan is already throwing stuff at me. Well, you're probably not going to get anything done today because somebody's coming to your office. Well, you're probably not going to be able to witness today because you're going to be too busy doing... You know what, Jeff? You're really not good enough. You know what, Jeff? You're really not smart enough. You know what, Jeff? And it just, it never stops. And if you think it's going to stop, you're, you know what? You're crazy. (laughs) If you think the lies of Satan are going to stop, you're crazy because it won't stop until Jesus comes back and puts him where he belongs. Right? Because the Bible says that Satan's the prince of this world. Which means God has allowed him to swarm in this world. But I'm going to tell you something. God gave me something stronger than Satan. The power of Jesus Christ in me. And so if I'll focus on the Word of God and allow the Word of God to penetrate my every fiber and walk in the Word of God, oh, I'll bring my last swat out and I'll tell Satan, 
I'll tell Satan who the King of Kings is and who the Lord of Lords is. His name is Jesus Christ. You want to talk about walking in victory? You better have this with you. And you may say, well, Brother Jeff, I can't carry that around. I'm going to tell you something. Yes, you can. You can carry it in your heart. And you can carry it in your mind. I used to think when I was a kid, what does it matter memorizing Scripture? What does that matter? I even used to think as a young adult, you know, it doesn't matter if I spend five minutes in the Word or, 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 or 30 minutes in the Word. As long as I do it, just check it off. I'm going to tell you something. No, 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 no. I, I've grown out of that. Thank God He's turned me away from that. It's very important that I memorize Scripture. Not just to know it, but to embrace it and walk in it. And listen, I can read my Word for five minutes as long as it's God speaking to me. Sometimes it might take me 50 minutes. I'm not really worried about the time as much as I am what's being said and why it's being said. Why am I digging into the Word? What am I looking for? I'm going to just tell you something. Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. And you can have no life apart from Him. You can have no life apart from Him. I'm going to tell you who I was without Jesus. I was a walking dead man. That's who I was. All I did was exist. Breathe in, breathe out. I'm going to tell you who I am in Christ. I am a royal priesthood. I am a chosen people. I am God's special possession. So that I might declare the praises of the one who called me out of darkness and into light. Now you may say, Brother Jeff, did you just make all that up? No, I did not. I memorized 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. That's my fly swat, right? My life swat. That's what it is. So Satan, you can call me what you want. Hey, Satan, you can remind me of what I thought yesterday. You can remind me of what I did yesterday. Guess what? I repented. And my Bible says that if I will confess my sin before God, He is faithful and just and will forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Where did I get that from? 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. The Word of God is light and it is life and it is right. And no live Satan can change that. And when you embrace that and you walk in that, you can. You can. Right? You can walk in freedom. You can live in freedom. And you can show other people Jesus Christ in your words and in your life. And I'm going to tell you, that ought to be your goal. Your, your goal ought to be, I want to look more like Jesus. I want to love more like Jesus. I want to talk and walk more like Jesus so that those people that are in darkness can have light. So that those people, right, can see Jesus and know Jesus, not just as a moral teacher, but so they can know that He is the Son of God came to set them free. Amen? I'm going to ask you one more time. Who is this Jesus to you? Because that's all that matters. Your answer to that question is your eternity.